0: Welcome to Math Mutation, a podcast where we discuss fun, interesting, or just plain weird corners of mathematics that you would not have heard in school. Recording from Hillsborough, Oregon, this is Eric Seligman, your host. And now, on to the math. Math Mutation 253, Making Jewelry with Fermat. Whenever you hear the name of the 17th century French mathematician Pierre de Fermat, the first thing that comes to your mind is probably Fermat's Last Theorem. That, as I'm sure you remember, is his well-known unproven hypothesis about a to the n plus b to the n equals c to the n not having whole number solutions for n is greater than 2. That one's rightfully famous for having stumped the math community for hundreds of years until Princeton professor Andrew Wiles finally proved it in the 1990s. But Fermat was no one-theorem wonder. He was quite an accomplished mathematician He came up with many other interesting results, most of which are proven a lot more easily than his last theorem. In particular, one of his best-known other ideas, Fermat's Little Theorem, is arguably a much better legacy. Aside from having been proven by Leibniz and Euler within a century of its proposal, its applicability in forming primality tests has made it a foundation of some of the algorithms used in modern cryptography. These algorithms form the basis of systems like the RSA encryption used in many secure internet protocols. So what is Fermat's Little Theorem? Like his last theorem, it's actually pretty easy to state. For any prime number p and integer n, n to the pth power minus n is always divisible by p. So, for example, let's choose p equals 3 and n equals 5. The theorem states that 5 to the third power minus 5 will be divisible by 3. Assuming you haven't forgotten all your elementary arithmetic, you probably see that since 5 to the third power minus 5 is 120, which is 3 times 40, the theorem works in this case. Since it's true for all primes, it implies a basic test you can use to prove a number is composite, or non-prime. If you're examining a potentially prime number p, pick another witness number n, and check whether the condition of the little theorem holds true. If it doesn't, we know p isn't prime. Of course, this is a probabilistic test. You can get lucky with a non-prime number, like 341, which passes the test with n equals 2, but is equal to 31 times 11, so you need to calculate the odds and choose samples accordingly. Modern algorithms use more sophisticated techniques, but still build on this foundation. The reason Fermat's Little Theorem came to mind recently was that I was browsing the web and saw a very nice common-sense proof of the theorem at the Art of Problem Solving site. Like most math majors, I did learn about some proofs of this theorem in college classes, and it's not too hard to jot down the proper equation, simplify, and prove it inductively using the algebra. But I always prefer intuitive, non-algebraic proofs where I can find them. Though there's no logical excuse to doubt the bulletproof algebra, my primitive human brain still feels more satisfied with the proof we can visualize. So, how can we prove that for any prime number p and integer n, n to the p minus n is always divisible by p, without using algebra? Let's visualize a jewelry-making class, where you're given a necklace that can fit up to p beads, each of, each of which can come in up to n colors. Actually, to help visualize, let's use concrete numbers initially. Your necklace can fit three beads, each of which can come in five colors. There are thus a total of five to the third permutations of beads you can put together on a necklace. Five choices for the first bead, times five for the second, times five for the third. Five of these five to the third combinations are necklaces where the beads are all the same color. So let's put these aside for now. If you look at any example configuration from the remaining five to the third minus five necklaces that are available, you'll see that it actually must be one representative of a family of three necklaces. For any necklace where all three beads are not identical, you can rotate it three ways, with each rotation being a valid combination of the beads. Since every possible combination must be part of such a family of three, and there are no combinations from two families that can be equivalent, the number of remaining combinations must be divisible by three. Thus, five to the third minus five is divisible by three, and the theorem holds. Since this argument works for any prime number p and integer n, not just 5 and 3, it effectively proves the theorem. Anyway, if you're not already convinced, hopefully after doodling a few necklaces on a scratch pad, or taking your daughter to a jewelry-making class, you can see why this theorem holds. You always like it when I see a simple, intuitive argument like this for what seems at first to require messy algebra. Even though we can't know Fermat's thought processes for sure, I wouldn't be surprised if he did this kind of visualization when first coming up with the concept. And this has been your math mutation for today.